0: Hello once again, and welcome to this series of presentations based on my book, Praying with Passion Grounded in Obedience. We've been using a building block approach in this study of prayer, going through the basics or fundamentals of prayer, as we approach the practical application of prayer in our lives. In episode 8 last time, we introduced the subject of healing prayer as described and instructed in the Bible. Before we get into today's examination, I'll tell you a short story about one of the times I was healed. If you've read my bio on the website, you know that I spent about 10 years on active duty in the Army. Of those years, I spent about 7 years directly on tanks and armored vehicles. I was exposed to a lot of dust, diesel fumes, chemical residue from propellant of our tank ammunition, and just the environment we lived in while in the field. In the winter in Germany, we often used large tents, that were heated with diesel or coal-fired heaters that gave off a lot of residue. And, of course, we breathed in all that junk. One time during winter training, we were using a smoke screen made from burning magnesium infused with hydrochloric acid. You know, just the name of that stuff is enough to make you cough, but we used it a lot. It made a very dense chemical smoke that stayed near the ground level for a long time. It was designed to defeat the enemy's metal sites called thermal imaging. It was very dangerous to breathe, but one time I breathed in a bunch of it. The result of all that is that I damaged my lungs and I now suffer from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. COPD is a lung disease that obstructs airflow. Typically, it's caused by long-term exposure to irritating gases or particulate matter, which is exactly my case. I think it's most common among those who smoked for a long time. Well, I didn't smoke, but got mine through all the junk that I breathed in. For several years after exposure, I suffered from multiple cases of walking pneumonia and bronchitis, several times a year having to go through antibiotics and other medications. After my awakening to healing, I asked for a healing prayer from some dedicated prayer warriors in my church. Since that prayer, I admit that I've had a few bouts, respiratory disease, but mostly I've been relieved of the constant infections and pneumonia. I I was healed and I give God all the glory for it. My lungs have not been completely restored, but then God isn't through with me yet. So you see, for me, healing is not only real, it's very personal. That's why I'm so zealous about promoting healing prayer. Be sure to share any of your experiences in healing so that others may see the reality of it too. Great. That always makes for great testimony. So, what are the methods or manifestations of healing prayer that we see in Scripture? By studying the Bible, we see that there are several methods of healing described in the Bible. There's through a person with that spiritual gift, we saw that with Peter and John, through the laying on of hands, as described in the book of James, there's the anointing with oil. There's prayers of faith by those who have the gift of faith, and then through intercession by others, and then, of obviously, through divine intervention. For this study, we won't cover all of those methods of healing, but only the method covered in James 5, and we will cover that in just a moment. We must know one thing first as we look at the methods for healing, and particularly the procedures set out in the Bible single most important ingredient that must be included in any healing prayer, any laying on of hands, or any anointing with oil is faith. Except for divine intervention, every other method of healing set out in the Bible requires faith. Without faith, healing simply is not going to happen outside that divine intervention. Let's look at our main scripture that we will be using in this episode. In James five fourteen and 15, it says this, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. So what are we really looking at? According to the book of James, the sick person must ask the elders of the church to pray over him or her and I believe that when the scripture uses the word sick, it also means those suffering physical afflictions of almost any kind, from something as simple as a common cold up to and including cancer, paralysis, heart disease, lung disease, or any ailment or physical affliction you can think of. I think one of the reasons the sick person must make the request for healing prayer is that the request itself is a statement of faith. There has to be at least a hope of faith, or as used in Scripture, a mustard seed's worth of faith, for them to even ask. Personally, in my prayer ministry, I can talk to a sick person or a person with an affliction about it. In fact, I do that all the time. But the decision to ask for healing prayer must ultimately be that of the person to be healed. I can't just go roam the halls of hospitals with my bottle of oil, splashing it around and yelling, be healed. I mean, I'm not Jesus. I'm not able to do that. That's not scriptural. The verse that we're using goes on to say that the elders of the church are to pray over the person and anoint him or her with oil in the name of the Lord. The elders of the church are the spiritually mature in the church. This does not refer only to the deacons, the pastor, or church trustees, but to the spiritually mature. The structure in some churches does not include the office of elders, although many churches do have formally appointed, ordained, and anointed elders. I personally believe that we should have church elders, but that's uh, really a subject for another day. But for a healing prayer to be effective, we do have to identify who our spiritual elders are and rely on their spiritual maturity and spiritual authority for the prayer to be effective. In First Timothy 5.17, Paul referred to the elders who direct the affairs of the church, and further referred to those whose work is preaching and teaching. Spiritual leaders must be mature in their relationship with God. As far as how many persons are required in a healing prayer, The key verse doesn't say specifically. However, it does say elsewhere in Scripture that wherever any two or more people are gathered in His name, there He will be also. We also use Scripture to complete Scripture. So whenever possible, I always have two or more of us presenting the healing prayer. The elders who are called together are then to offer a prayer in faith and anoint with the oil. The sick person, the afflicted person, Must also believe through faith for healing. The anointing with oil may seem like a religious ritual, but how do we act in obedience with this scripture if we do not anoint with oil? I've seen many congregational prayers for healing where there was no oil, no laying on of hands, and was not exclusive to the elders of the church. But for a James 5 prayer to be effective, I personally cannot reconcile not doing it the way the scripture lays it out. And keep in mind, the oil does not heal. The obedience in anointing with the oil done in faith is why we do that. The physical act is merely a symbol. The obedience in faith is literally everything about this prayer. In analyzing this entire verse in James on healing, we see several of the biblical methods of healing come together in this one activity. The laying on of hands, the anointing with oil, a prayer of faith, and intercession by others. That is the main reason I have chosen this scripture for teaching about healing prayer. It is very inclusive. One of the most important things prior to engaging in a healing prayer is the forgiveness of sin. We cannot have unresolved, unconfessed sin in our life and expect healing to take place short of divine intervention, whether that sin is in the sick person or those committed to doing the healing prayer. Now, this is not to say that we who are involved in the prayer are always totally pure in our thoughts, actions, and attitudes. No person is perfect, but knowing about and harboring a secret sin is the obstacle. For example, a person addicted to pornography and unrepenting about it should not be involved in a healing prayer. A person holding a grudge or bitterness taught another person and not willing to let it go is another example of a person who should not be in on a healing prayer team. That is also true of the person to be healed. A person who has dabbled in the occult and has not repented and asked for forgiveness for it should not be engaged in a healing prayer either. Let's read the passage of James five fifteen through 16 It says this, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I want to make a correction or clarification, if you want to call it that, to what I wrote in the book. When I wrote the book, I used a translation of the Bible that did not contain the phrase about confessing your sins to one another. In the book, I said that I did not believe you were required to confess your sins to one another. Well, after considerable study and looking at more accurate translations of the Bible, specifically the English Standard Version, I've since changed my stance on that and do believe that we are to confess any unresolved sin to one another, that being the elders participating in the healing prayer. Now, if you have a regular prayer life, you should have already confessed any past sins and asked God's forgiveness for those sins. Thus, I don't think you have to call up all the bad stuff you've ever done and previously confessed to God and lay it out before others. But I do believe any unresolved or current sin should be confessed before the prayer begins. Remember, this is not a ritual, but a matter of the heart and of deep faith. Confession of known sin should always be included in that preparation. When I conduct a healing prayer, I confirm that the person to be healed does have faith and a belief in scriptural healing. I then read the section from James 5, and then I take the oil, dab a bit on my finger, and dot it on the person's forehead. Once the person is anointed, each of those elders present lays a hand on a shoulder or the head of the person, and we offer the prayer of healing. Remember from our earlier studies that the prayer is to God the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, and healing is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. This prayer is usually short and to the point. God is not measuring this exercise by the word or by the hour, but by the faith and obedience. It is important to know and believe there is real power for healing in this prayer. James did not say that the Lord maybe will raise up the sick person or that if it is God's will, he may be raised up. He said the Lord will raise him up. This requires a prayer of faith. It is God's will to heal, so I always go into the prayer believing that healing will, in fact, take place. Now, I said earlier that there have been instances when I've prayed over someone, and they were not healed as I requested. But I will say again that every time I conduct a healing prayer, I go into it with a firm belief in my heart and in my mind that the person will be healed. Now, healing may take time. It may be a second, a minute, a day, or a very long time. I don't know why it takes time, but it does. I will confess to being frustrated sometimes when I've been engaged in a healing prayer and don't see immediate results. Well, God understands we are an impatient people. So don't become frustrated with God. However, as all things happen in God's time, not our time. We don't know what obstacles Satan has thrown up against us. Turn this over to God to do what he intends to do, and it will always result in his glory. I personally also include in the prayer A prayer of deliverance from demonic oppression that may be causing the disease or ailment. We will cover more on that in later sessions on spiritual warfare, but sometimes, not every time, there is demonic activity involved. Sometimes, though, the person is just sick or hurting or afflicted. One last thing that I've come to believe is important in completing a healing prayer is a prayer of blessing on the afflicted person. You can use the prayer of Jabez out of First Chronicles 4.10, or the prayer from Numbers 6.24, or just simply ask God's blessing on the person. While not directly a part of the James 5 prayer, these scriptural blessings are certainly biblical. Now, if we comply with the provisions of James 5 in our healing prayer, does that mean every person will be healed just as we ask? Can we pray that Someone whose appointed time to die has come and that they will be healed, such as the terminally ill or very elderly, well, yes, we can offer those prayers. God will heal all who call on His name. Some will be healed here on earth and some will be healed as they enter heaven. This is not a cop-out or an excuse for unanswered prayers. God's ways are far beyond my ways and God's thoughts are far above my thoughts. My role and the role of any prayer warrior is to be obedient, faithful, and passionate. Our prayers, offered in faith, will be heard by God. Our duty is to obey God. We are not called to guarantee His work. If you want to engage in healing prayer, check out Chapter 7 of the book, Praying with Passion, Grounded in Obedience. I have a couple of examples of how to phrase and conduct such a prayer if you need those. And if you would like to engage me to come to your church or minister group to conduct a healing service, well, contact me through the website of prayingwithpassion.com. Next time, I will introduce you to prayers in spiritual warfare. As I've said a couple of times, we are at war with Satan, and spiritual warfare is a large part of that battle. We're all in it, so let's be ready for it. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and give you peace.